one. Anybody have a favorite book of the Bible? Who has a favorite book of the Bible? Is anybody's favorite book Joshua? Anybody's favorite book Joshua? Anybody's favorite Bible character Joshua? Anybody have a favorite Bible character who's Joshua? It's a good book. And my kids always, when they would start uh, reading and being able to read, they ask, we'd have them read in their devotions, and they'd always ask me where to read. And I'd start them in some of these places that are stories. And uh, that just capture your attention. And of course, Joshua is some of those stories that, that really just capture attention. I remember as a kid, I loved reading uh, some of these Old Testament stories and what God did there. And uh, just seeing the victories that God gave the, and uh, as a boy, watching the, the battles and the victories. I loved uh, reading those stories. Of course, when you have your kids read some of these stories, they also come back sometimes with questions, don't they? And uh, they come back with questions. But, uh, boy, I think how important the scripture is. And Joshua is one of those books just filled, filled with the stories of scripture, stories of victory. Matter of fact, the title of, of the, the message tonight is just Faith is the Victory. And I think of the song, Faith is the Victory. And the Bible says, uh, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them which diligently seek him. Scripture tells us the just shall live by faith. And if there is a book that emphasizes victory found through faith and trusting God, it's, it's this book of Joshua. Uh, this book that God gives us here that reveals the victories that he's given to us. Joshua, the name Joshua means Jehovah Savior or Jehovah Salvation. And it would be translated from the Greek in the New Testament into the name Jesus. It's a picture of salvation and uh, the victories given. And Joshua was used to give the people of Israel victory and oh, and as they conquered uh, the Canaan land and the promised land. Obviously, uh, they didn't completely uh, gain everything. They, they left some battles that were behind. And uh, as a result of it, Joshua wasn't able to lead the people to complete rest in, as a result of it. There were pockets and places where the Canaanites were still there. But, but really, it's an, it's an incredible picture of this. If you want true rest and true victory, only Jesus can provide it. Amen. Only Christ can provide it. But there's some incredible pictures. If you were to read the book of Genesis, you'd see Genesis speaks of the, of, of the ruin of man, doesn't it? God put us into the world, a perfect world, and yet man sinned, and the ruin of it all came about. Exodus speaks of man's redemption, doesn't it? It speaks of how God led man out of, of, out of, the, out of Egypt and out of, the, out of the bondage that was there through the Red Sea. It's a picture of redemption. Leviticus speaks of man's sanctification, uh, God's desire to, sit, to change a man. He, uh, if you will, Exodus was getting God's people out of Egypt. Leviticus was getting Egypt out of God's people. It was a, a picture of sanctification as God began to let his people stand out from the world. The book of Numbers speaks of a man's walk. And as they wandered in the wilderness, walking or wandering, and uh, what is your walk going to be like? And uh, you and I as Christians are to walk in the Spirit. We're to know victory in our life. Deuteronomy speaks of a man's prospects. That one was we looked at last week and, or the week before. Um, it was them looking towards. It was that generation after the ones that had died in the wilderness. They were looking over the Jordan River, getting ready to go in and occupy uh, Canaan land. And Moses, once again, just before his death, would give them the law and expound upon the law and let them see what laid right ahead of them. But, but Joshua, the book of Joshua, speaks of a man's victory of the victory that's able to be experienced in the Christian life. You see that as we read these first few verses in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, 
Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, under the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, under the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Lord, I love you and I thank you for this book. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts this evening. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Victory. He promises victory. He meets with Joshua. The writer of this book, obviously, is Joshua. You see that from Joshua 24, 26. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And except for possibly the last few, uh, last few verses of the, the book written possibly by Phineas. But jo- Joshua was a man who grew up, if you will, in, as a slave in Egypt. He had been a slave. He knew what it was like, roughly, probably 40 years of old, at the, old at the time of the Exodus. So he knew what he knew what slavery was like, didn't he? He knew what bondage was like, and uh, he knew what it was like to be bound in in sin and, and wrapped up in that. I, I think many times. How many of you? How many of you were saved later in life? You were saved later in life. Uh, and uh, how many of you maybe, maybe lived a life separate from God and for a period of time and then the Lord saved you and he saved you out of some things. And then there's some, I think of myself and, uh, you know, I, I grew up in church and not that I didn't need saved just as much as anybody else, but uh, I missed out. On, thankfully, praise the Lord, I missed out on some of those things. And I think of Joshua as a man who knew the bondage of sin. I, I think sometimes our young people who don't grow up in that, but their parents trusted Christ and came out of it, they, they maybe just decide to turn and start sampling sin again because they don't remember the bondage and the heartache and the heartbreak of sin and its consequences. And you watch them later fall into the same sins that they wish that their parents had been saved out of. It's, and, uh, and I picture Joshua knowing slavery. And God obviously bringing him out of Exodus, out of out of Egypt by the way of the Exodus. Forty years in the wilderness, he was one of the spies that would cross over, one of the twelve spies that would cross over and spy out the land. Of course, he was one of the two. He and Caleb that would come back with a good report, and then he would watch the people die in the wilderness. And now here we see he's entering into the promised land. And uh, they say, roughly, we guess, 110 years old at his death, but. He was a man used, uh, if you will, to bring the people into into the promised land. The purpose of this book, the book of Joshua tells the story of complete redemption out of Egypt. Salvation is not only a redemption from hell, but it is a redemption to heaven. Redemption isn't just about what we have been purchased from, but who we have been bought for. I think of 1 Corinthians 6.20 where it says... For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God didn't just call us out from something, he called us to someone, didn't he? I'm thankful when I was saved, it wasn't what just God took me out of, but that God had a purpose and a plan for our life. And, uh, and Joshua gives us that example. It wasn't that they, God called him out of the book of, out of Egypt so that they could wander in the wilderness. He called him out so he could give them the promised land. And I think of this, Christian, when God saved you, he didn't just save you so you wouldn't, so you could wander. He saved you with a purpose of serving him. He saved us with a purpose of living for him. It's not aimless wandering that God calls us to, but purposeful Christian living, 
living right and holy before our Lord, serving Him with our life. The book of Joshua occupies a place in the Old Testament like the book of Acts in the New Testament. It's a book of transition. It shows us a period of transition in the Old Testament. Like the book of Ephesians, it portrays the wealth, the walk, and the warfare of God's people. Joshua would challenge the people this way. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He challenged them with, who will you serve? It's not that we just came out of Egypt and now we get to do whatever we want. We've been called to serve someone. And he said, you'll either follow the, the gods of, the, of this Canaan, those, those Canaanites and the paganism that has been here, or you're going to choose to follow God. When you look to the book of Joshua, you do see that Joshua had his faults, didn't he, and his failings. Joshua didn't completely conquer the land. He, he left some of the coastal cities there along the coast, and some of them the Philistines, and the other the Phoenician cities of Sire and, Tyre, Tyre, uh, Sire and Tyre and Sidon and Tyre, and he, and he left them there. And as a result of that, the people of Israel would pay, face constant conflict with the Philistines, wouldn't he? War after war after war until God sent David along. And then they would face the problem, the religious problem of these pockets of pagans throughout the land and they would constantly be lured back to worshiping the false gods. As a matter of fact, in one of the places, I think it's in Chronicles, the Lord said they did more evil than the people who occupied the land before them. That's incredible. That they did more evil than the people that God had sent to conquer and drive out because of their iniquity. Matter of fact, the whole reason the Lord let the people of Israel stay, one of the reasons God let the people of Israel stay in, the, in Egypt for 400 years, the Lord would say later, because the iniquity of the Amalekites was not full, because the iniquity and the sin, God was giving the people in Canaan land an opportunity, obviously knowing the choice, but he gave them their opportunity, yet when God would use them to drive them out, the people of Israel would go back and commit more evil than the people that they had driven out. And as a result of their failure to deal with those issues, it, it would plague them from generation to generation. How about the Gibeonites where Joshua and the elders of Israel would fail to pray? They would fail to pray. I, they thought as the Gibeonites would come to them with their moldy bread and worn out clothes and tell them they were for, from a far country desiring a treaty. And Deuteronomy, matter of fact, I, don't, I could go to it later, but Deuteronomy speaks of what they, that they could have some loose-held treaties with those that are outside of the land, but they weren't to have any treaties with those inside of the land, and they would make treaty with them without consulting God. And you know the fault, they would travel just a few days' journey, and there was Gibeah, and they would have that problem as a result of their failure to pray and seek God. Those pockets of paganism that would still be there in the land they would struggle with. The book of Joshua teaches us that there can be no shortcuts to victory. We are in enemy territory. Victory can only be had when we trust and obey and when we watch and pray. Friend, the Christian life, it, it, I, I like this song. It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight, not a game. I endure hardness as a good soldier. We walk, walk this, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh con is contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the one, things that you would. And I, I may have just paraphrased that big time. All right, I'll let you look it up later. All right, Galatians 5, 16 and 17. But the constant battle, victory in the Christian life is not, it is, it is not easily, God, God calls us to win victories and it's a battle. 
Matter of fact, if you read Joshua, there were times in the book of Joshua where God gave them supernatural victories. I think of when the sun stood still. When the sun stood still and God killed some of those kings, let, 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 uh, you know, let the, the hail come and kill some of those as they fought. But there were other times where it was just sluggish battle after battle after battle. Aren't there times in the Christian life when it seems like God supernaturally intervenes and does a great work? And then other things are one foot in front of the other until victory is ultimately won. The book of Joshua reminds us that victory in the Christian life is meant to be fought for. Friend, there is a a battle. the, The victory was won at Calvary, but as long as we're here, friend, there is a battle to be waged. And the book of Joshua reminds us that victory is ours, but but there is a battle that, that is meant to be waged in the Christian life. The key word of this book is possession. Israel's ownership of this land was unconditional. Joshua 1.3 says, Every place where the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. However, Israel's possession was conditional. Their ownership was unconditional. The land was theirs. God said so. It was theirs. But whether they would possess it or not was conditional. For instance, when the people of Israel came to the Jordan River, the first generation, uh, they chose not to step out in faith, didn't they? The land was theirs. It was committed to them. It was promised by God, given to them. But because of their refusal to, to trust in faith and cross over, they didn't get the possession of it. The next generation comes to the Jordan River, ownership given to them, it is yours, but in faith they stepped over and went in. Deuteronomy would remind them and and Lord would teach them in Deuteronomy this generation that was about to go in, you're either going to love me and serve me and I'll let you have it, but if you don't, I'll let you be driven out. And you know, as the people would turn later on, you'd read the book of the many times that they would turn away that God would ultimately send them into Babylonian captivity and See, and it's it's an incredible picture of the Christian life. Our position in the Lord, the blessings of the Lord, they're ours. I think of Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Romans 8, 37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I think of the, the, the great prayer promise, Hebrews 11 or 4, 16. Uh, Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God says, come boldly. I've, I've given you a place. Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, that is kind of a New Testament comparative to the book of Joshua. Uh, you see that the book of Ephesians begins with all of these promises that God gives us. But then he begins to speak in Ephesians. He said, and be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. You'd see that the Lord said, uh, a matter of fact, he says this in Ephesians 6, 10 through 11. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. 
And be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. God gives spiritual blessings, and they are ours by title right, by being his child, but possession or, or, and living them out are two different things. They're two different things. God gave the people the land, but whether they possessed it was about what they would do with the promises. Well, I, I think of how that is in the Christian life. There's incredible blessings meant for us in the Christian life, but whether we experience them or not is based upon our faith and trust and obedience in what God says in his word. Over and over again, you see the promises of God in the New Testament, the incredible privilege. I think of the calling to me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not, but you must call. And be not drunk with wine, whereas in excess will be filled with the Spirit, but you must yield. Take up the whole armor of God, but you, you must do battle. Give, I think of the one that we often use around uh, a missions conference, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his what? Riches and glory, but you must give. The, the blessings of God, God has taken care of it, offered them to us, but you must live them out. The book of Joshua is a reminder that God gave them the land, but they were going to have to walk in obedience to him. And thankfully, Joshua and the people of Israel trusted God and walked in and followed God. And, but you would see generations removed who would abandon the truths that God had given them, and they would lose the land. To abandon living out the promises of God is to lose the blessings of God. I have to walk in obedience to his word or lose the blessing. I love the song. It's an incredible reminder. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to what? Trust and obey. Trust his word, obey his word, experience the incredible blessings of God, the love, the joy, the peace, the gentleness, the long sufferings, the life and life more abundant, the answered prayer and the communication with God. But we must obey and trust the promise. The book of Joshua is an incredible reminder that, that the blessing follows obedience. Blessing follows obedience. As they obeyed in what God had given them, they reaped the blessing of an obedience to God. And that is true in our own life, Christian. God has given us promise, every promise after promise. Every promise in the book is mine. But I must claim it and not just name it and claim it. I must obey it, right? I must obey his word. And sometimes that's a struggle. Sometimes it's a supernatural, incredible victory God gives us in the moment that's almost unexplained. Seven days around a city in silence and then shouting and the walls crumble. The sun standing still and, and, uh, and, and the hail from wiping out armies and yet other battles were a, were a sluggish battle after battle after battle as they won a victory and won a victory and won a victory. Some victories are, seem to be immediate in the moment and others require war. <laughs> But the blessings of God that unfold as his people trust and obey. 
are incredible. And the book of Joshua reminds us of it. It reminds us of the, the failures and problems when we fail to seek God as well. And we see those things here. Here's the outline of the book. And I won't go all the way through that. I'll let you look at that later. But I want you to notice the message. Faith is the victory. And if you see here, there's, there's faith. Faith is the victory. The faith that believes God's word. I love verse 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord, what? Spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister. Verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. Uh, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I wonder how relieved Joshua was the moment God spake to him. The man who was before him, if there was something, I, I know where you and I would say, what stands out to Moses? Well, the plagues, the burning bush the Red Sea, the way God used him. But really what stands out about Moses is that what he was a man who walked with God. Everything else was a result of his relationship that he had with God. He had a face-to-face communication with God. The burning bush, meeting with God, God speaking. And I, and I think of Joshua's on the sidelines. Moses has passed and he's sitting back and knowing all the victories, but more than the victories, he knew the source of those victories. The story wasn't Moses. The story was the God of Moses. And he knew what Moses had was a communication with God. And now it is his turn to lead his people, the people of God. Is God going to speak? And God speaks. Uh, picture the relief, if you will, uh, that must have swept over Joshua as he began to hear from God. And then, of course, the voice of God that points him to the word of God. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and then thou shalt have good success. Take this book, heed God's verse, God's, God's voice, trust and obey his word. I think of what he says there in that verse, we, we've learned it from a child this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. No one has ever experienced spiritual victory who has neglected their daily quiet time with the Lord. All backsliding, all defeat, begins when time is no longer set apart each day to see what God has to say. Friend, all of it begins with our personal walk and God's word. You said, prove it to me. I just did. Joshua 1.8, God said so. Then thou shalt have good success. Spiritual victory is won in the pages of God's word and on your knees. Defeat comes when we fail to walk with him. Gibeon, boy, they, they thought they had it all figured out. Gibeon, and yet they make a treaty with someone they shouldn't have. Why? And you study, read that past scripture, they did not pray. Ai, Ai's defeat was Achan's fault. It was also Joshua's. Joshua thought this little town, if, if God could give us Jericho, then certainly this little, this little city of Ai is ours, and he did not pray. He did not search. He did not seek God. And because he did not seek, they went to battle with iniquity in the camp. 
And God let them be defeated because they did not pray and seek the face of God. There is a faith in God's word and a walk with God that is a necessity to the Christian life. And you may go days and weeks and feel like you're okay, but the problem is it's coming. The treaty with Gibeah, Gibeon, the failure to seek and seek God's face and find out the sin that's hindering you until God has to smack you over the head to make you go pray. Faith in God's word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is not a feeling. It's a firm resting in the promises of God's word. You can have faith in the wrong thing. Everybody has faith. It's, it's natural to man. You have a faith in that pew when you sat down. You have a faith in the bank's got your money. You have a faith your employer is going to give you a check at the end of the week. You have a, a faith in the doctor that you're going to go see. Faith is only as good as the object it's placed in. And when it comes to, to living the Christian life, that object is the Lord and the promises of his word. And he says here, he's a clear call to trust his word. He says, Joshua, take that book. Live that book. Meditate upon it. And he's given us a whole lot more than Joshua had too, by the way. A whole lot more. Faith believes God's word. Faith counts the cost. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out uh, of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of, uh, of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came in men hither to the night of the, uh, tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. Joshua sent two men into, uh, I wonder if he took that from the 12 that was sent before. Only two of them came back good, so he said, I'm just sending two this time, all right. But he sent two to go spy out the land. Faith counts the cost in our life. You know, God, the Lord tells us we have faced three enemies in our life. The world that will try to mold us, the flesh that seeks to defile us, and the devil who seeks to destroy us. There's this world the Bible says not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world. And yet the philosophies of this world, and they try to mold us into their ideas and their thoughts, and it's the enemy of the Christian. There's my own flesh, that, that, that turmoil within, that constant battle within. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. There's the constant battle of the flesh. Satan who seeks to ruin and destroy my life. And there's two results that come from it. Number one, we underestimate our enemy. We think, I have got it. Isn't that what Joshua did when he went down to Ai? He underestimated his enemy. He underestimated him. Some Christians are underestimating their enemies. The world their own flesh, and the devil, and they're walking through life without walking with God, underestimating their enemy, and failure follows. Some overestimate it. Trials of life come, the things in their life come in their way, and they overestimate it as if there's no way for me to move forward, and they're just going to remain stagnant in their Christian life. They overestimate their enemy. The Lord reminds us this, greater is he that is in you than he that is what? In the world. 
I should neither underestimate it by trying to do it in my strength nor overestimate it, once again, by thinking it's about my strength and I cannot win it, but I should completely trust and walk with God and move forward by faith in the Christian life to count the cost and to move forward serving God. Joshua, we see that in this book of Joshua, there was a faith in God's word. There was a faith that counts the cost. There was a faith that makes a move. And if you read Joshua chapter 3 and verses 13 through 17, and I, I won't take time to read it, but it's the passage of scripture where they move across the, the Jordan River. And you know the story. Joshua tells the Levites to lead out. And the moment their foot touches the water, the waters would part and they would walk over on dry ground. The Levites would walk to the middle of the river and stand there until the people of Israel crossed over and they took a step, but the, the waters didn't move until, until they took their step and moved out, and then the waters parted. Look, if your faith requires God to move first, then it's not faith. Faith means that I trust his promise and move forward first. God said, I will part the water, put your foot out, and I'll part the water. Faith moves forward first. It's not waiting on God to part the water and then moving. It's moving forward, trusting that God will part the water. They had the promised land because they went out trusting God, trusting the Lord. It's a faith that, res that rests in his word. The difference between faith and foolishness is the promises of God's word. What has God said in his word? How has he led me through his word? There's the, the faith in, that believes God's word and faith that counts the costs and recognizes how much we need God. How much we need him. Faith that makes a move. I think of this one, faith, faith that takes a stand. If you go to chapter 4 and look at chapter 4, and this is, I, I really, and if you see in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of, the, out of the people, out of every tribe of man. And he commanded ye them, saying, Take ye hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones. And ye shall carry them over from you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom, the Lord had, whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe of man. And Joshua said unto him, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, and according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off from the, before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. And the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan as the Lord spake unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over with them into the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood and they, there, and, and they are there unto this day. Two memorials lifted up. One, the Lord said, grab those stones out of the Jordan River. Each man from every tribe, take a rock and build one on the other side. And what a memorial that will be to the victory God has for you in this promised land. The other one, Joshua would grab some rocks and he would build 12, take those 12 stones and put them in the Jordan River. 
I don't know what they were, Jordan River rocks, or I, I picture them coming from the side they had came from and putting them in the water. And that one, when they passed out of the waters, the waters passed over the rocks. I think of baptism when I think of that verse. I think of Romans chapter 6. I think I put it in your outline here, but... Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of God the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Hey, when someone's baptized, it's saying, I believe that Jesus died for me, he, he was died for me, was buried for me, and rose again for me. I'm walking in newness of life. Who I was, I am no more, and I am a child of God. Picture Joshua saying, those rocks under the water, we don't belong in Egypt anymore. We don't believe in the wandering anymore. That's not who we are anymore. Let the waters cover the rocks. But this one over here, these ones that you can see, the newness of the life in the promised land and the victory that God gives us. There was a generation before them that were meant to experience that life. They came through a different water. Matter of fact, Corinthians speaks of that baptism of the waters. They would come out of, the, out of Egypt and walk, go through the Red Sea. But they turned back, didn't they, at the Jordan River? They turned back. Faith that takes a stand, a faith that reminds ourselves of this. I am no longer a child of this world. I'm a child of God. I'm no longer bound to sin. I'm bound to victory. I'm, no more, I'm just a sojourner in this land. I have passed over. I am just a sojourner, and I am going to live my life for the Lord Jesus Christ. They were there for another reason. They left Egypt behind. They left the wilderness behind. They had crossed over Jordan, and they had a promise in front of them, something they were living for. Friend, there's, we've left all of that behind. We're living for the Lord until he calls us home. World doesn't have a hold on me anymore. The flesh, it's still doing battle with me, but even it's going to drop off sometime. It's, sin has lost its hold. The old devil's a defeated foe. And I belong to the Lord. And I'm meant to live for him. Faith, faith that takes that stands and, and builds those things in our life. I, I hope you do this in a practical way in your life, that, that you mark down, write down, or remember somewhere the victories God has given you. May of 1995, Madera Baptist Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, I was saved and baptized in a cold baptistry. I am not the same as I was. August of 1999 at, at Shawnee Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky, God called me to preach, and three weeks later I surrendered, and I'm not meant to do anything different. Moments in my life where God has led me to remember them, I've crossed over. I've crossed over. By faith, taking a stand and trusting God, have you ever made the mistake of looking back, not with the intent of seeing what God has done, but maybe a little longing and saying, maybe I should? When that urge comes, fight it. That's what Lot's wife did. She looked backward, longingly, and she lost it all. Though that mark as they crossed over, pay, faith, faith that pays the price. If you were to look at chapter 5, and I'll be finished, chapter 5, verses 2 through 7, it says this, And at that time the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives, and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. 
And Joshua made a sharp knife and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise. All the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness to all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord unto whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord swore unto their fathers that he would give us, a land that floweth with milk and honey. And their children whom they raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass when they had all done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. This is one of those awkward portions of scripture when your children read them. You don't want to have to explain, right? But there is an incredible truth pictured here. Colossians chapter 2, 10 through 12 says this, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in the putting off of the body of the sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, whereby, where also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. They were to take that Abraham covenant, which was a picture of that they were the Lord, and they were different from the rest of the world. They were to lay those things off, and they had neglected that command while wandering in the wilderness. And before God was going to give them victory, if you will, the New Testament picture is this, you're going to have to die to the flesh. If you want Jericho, Joshua, the people are going to have to die to the flesh. A painful experience, a separating experience. If you want victory, then die to the fleshly things of this world. Joshua, if you want Jericho, then you must have me. And you're not going to get Jericho while you're walking in disobedience. No Jericho if you're going to walk in disobedience. How true that is, Christian. How true it is. The Lord calls us to die to self, to crucify the flesh, to yield to the Spirit. And I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. If you want Jericho, then lay off self. If you want the promised land, then lay off sin. You can't have victory and disobedience at the same time. How many people miss out on the victory God wants them to have because they're unwilling to obey? They don't want to give up and die to the things of this world and the flesh. Hey, some of them, some of them, some victories God gives, seems to give in a, in a moment. I know, I remember this lady, Mrs. Yabera, she trusted Christ when we were in it. And, and she had been, she was a lady probably in her, in her 60s or 70s. And she had been smoking since she was a teenager. She got saved. And the day she got saved, she was done. It was amazing. But I've known others who've got saved and they had to fight their way through. They fought their way through. There are some battles in life that seem to be 
immediate victories in the moment and others that we wage and we fight until God gives victory. But friend, you cannot be content with sin in your life. I cannot be content. I must not negotiate with it. I must confess it and forsake it and by God's grace, beg him to give me victory because if I am unwilling to leave it behind, then Jericho cannot be mine. And here we see that God says, before you go this way, here's the painful process. Leave off the flesh. Let be my people. And when you're mine, Jericho is yours. By faith, by faith, we pay our price. By faith, we're willing to trust God and to pay the price and say, Lord, I'll lay off these things in my life. I think of those Proverbs 18.1. It says, through, de- uh, through, desire, or through desire a man separated himself and seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. It's an incredible practical verse. Through desire, a man just sets his eyes on something. He separateth himself from the things that would keep him from it and under the things that would gain it. And he seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. We do that in so many aspects of life. You want an education? You have to separate yourselves from things so that you might have it. You want to attain certain things? You have to separate yourself from. Friend, if you want victory, then you must separate yourself from sin. To be willing to go to God and say, God, give me victory in my life. If you want the filling of the Spirit, you have to let him point out sin and pull it out. He won't occupy what somebody else, something else has full control of. He'll indwell the Christian, but if you want filled, Holy Spirit, give me victory. Faith. Joshua, the incredible thing of Joshua, it's like the New Testament book of Ephesians. If you read the first part of the New Testament book of Ephesians, you're going to see promise and position laid out by Paul of the blessings and the promises of God. And then you come to the next part. These are your promises. Here's how you live it. Hey, and be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. You want to be a good wife, a good husband, a good father, an obedient child, a good employee, a good employer, be filled with the Spirit. Take up the armor of God. Promises. The possession, the ownership for Israel, it was settled. I'll tell you this, the world tries to take from Israel and has been for a long time. The problem is God has the deed to Israel and he's given it to those people. Possession is different. Possession has been about obedience to the instruction of God. And unfortunately, history shows and scripture shows they have not always been obedient to God. Now, there's coming a day, friend, when the King of kings and Lord of lords comes and rules and reigns and puts all things in order. Ownership, there's. Possession, will you obey? The Christian life the title to the blessings of God. God has bought, God has paid for, God has given. 
but the living in it is trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. I don't get to say, well, I don't need that one and still get God's blessing. I shut off the valve. Trust and obey. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you.